Hello and welcome back to The Game Pit. This is episode 150 and the Jude Meister General is back in the house. We are going to continue our best and worst of 2019. Ronan, do you want to introduce our guest and let them know what he does? Because he's rubbish at doing it. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> a little bit worried that you're going to talk about the best and worst of 2019 when this episode is just our top tens. Trust, trust me, you're going to have some bad picks. Oh, I see. Getting your hits in first. I understand. At least we've got someone who's got common sense and a load of good... Pi- uh, no, no, Matthew's here. I mean, that's the joy of these lists. Are you going to pick out a particular game company and have a rant about them? No, because I've had... <laughs> <laughs> I've had more than one person talk to me and said, man, you, you really didn't like that company. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to go Renegade I'm going to go Renegade, boy! <laughs> Ali Cat Games, let me tell you! <laughs> too, too soon, soon. <laughs> man, too soon. <laughs> Basically comes on here to ruin his reputation, I like it. It's not, there's not, thing is, there's not that much left on my reputation, and what is there is so fragile, <laughs> so precious. You can have a true doubt, true doubt on that one. Right. Let's stop messing around and crack into our top 10 because we've got 30 games of various qualities <laughs> to discuss and Sean's going to lead us off with his number 10. So my number 10, and let me say, the number 9 and 10 were the hardest ones for me. I just I kept swapping them in and out and out and in. So my number 10 is actually Oriflam from Studio H. We talked about it very recently on the on the COD, COD Pass. I've done that again. I said that last time. The COD Pass, I'm sticking with it. I think Oriflam is just a very clever mechanism with the lineup and where you're placing before or after the person, and that directly affects how your card interacts with theirs. It game definitely gets better the more you play it because you you know what cards are around, you know what other cards people might are, are likely to play. You can set traps. There's lots of table talk. A really funny game, and definitely doesn't outstay its welcome. That's Oriflam, my number ten choice. Solid choice, not quite top 10 for me, but if you listen to our review, you'll know that I enjoyed it a lot. The spatial element, the constant interaction, the fact it's super, super quick. It's not quite social deduction, but you are trying to read the other players as to what they've put down and decide where to target your attacks on each other. And as long as everyone's in the right spirit, it's a lot of fun. I think it's a very good choice, Sean. It lo- I was going to say, it looks like the kind of game that people could start playing instead of like Love Letter and stuff like that, right? Well, only Love Letter is amazing. <laughs> it's in that genre, though. It's got that feel about it. Yeah, you know. It's a fair pick. Fair pick. Is it top 10 worthy? Who knows? <laughs> well, we do know because you didn't pick it. So. <laughs> top 10 worthy, though. Speaking of which, my number 10 features later on someone else's list. Ooh. Bloody heck. What could it be? So one he's made a decent choice. <laughs> My number 10 is a game that doesn't feature on anyone else's list, and it's Blitzkrieg, which is a two-player-only miniature World War II in 20 minutes game where you're pulling these chits out of a bag. You've got three, and you're putting them down in different theatres of war. I love two-player games. I love like two-player Tug of war kind of games like Rhino Knitcher style, right? And this really is, has that feeling about it. And it's just exciting and fun and really tactical. And I just really, really like it. I think it's pretty underrepresented. And I just think it's fantastic. And I've got the expansion, which is the Nippon expansion, which has Godzilla in it. So, I mean, that's pretty great as well. 
I just really, really like it. Have either of you played it? I have not. I've never even heard it until you, until you brought it up on the list. It's, it's one of, definitely one of those games that I would just sort of bypass on a game shelf or when I'm looking and browsing on the internet. It just doesn't seem like the thing I'd enjoy, but I think we tend to have a fairly similar taste in games, so I'll definitely give it a go. And who, who doesn't want Godzilla to pop up in a, in a World War II game? I mean... <laughs> Me, I don't. It's a bit silly. <laughs> I've heard about it, obviously, because I think there's loads of buzz. I don't know how you've avoided it, Sean. Loads of people are saying it's an amazing game in 20 minutes. And it's really, I guess, one of the ones I regret most not having played this year. Here's a good one. Indeed, indeed. Right. Should we crack on to our number nine? Yeah, you're never going to do that again. Good. <laughs> My number nine is also a two-player game. And this game is Skulk Hollow. And in Skulk Hollow, one of the players is going to play as a giant sort of rampaging monster with different attacks and different parts of their body and the other player is going to play as a bunch of little critters and they're going to have several of their figures and they're going to be one of the monster side and they're battling to see who wins and it's played spatially out on a board and the critters have got each of the different ones have got different sort of abilities and attacks and ranged and melee and stuff and when they're attacking the monster um, as they take out part of the monster's body the monster loses certain powers. If you take out their head, maybe they can't shoot lasers out their eyes anymore. If you take out their foot, they're going to go slower. And it's this tug of war between the monster trying to get done what they want to do while they're powerful, but not getting worn down too much. And the critters constantly taking damage, but trying to damage the monster enough to slow it down so they can eventually bring it down. And it's directly confrontational, so you have to like that sort of a thing. But it's really well made. It's a beautiful production, and I enjoyed it a lot. And I need to play it more. And I think if I had played it more, it might be higher up the list. If you say so. <laughs> Sounds rubbish. <I> do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know anything about this one either. Yeah, so I, I've i seen it. It didn't really appeal to me again because I don't like the straight-up fighting games. But what does appeal to me, as Radu explained, is is the slowly you're chopping down the the monster down to size. And I kind of I like the way that the thought of that, but I don't really like one-on-one combative games. So yeah, I'll try it, but I wouldn't buy it. All right, my number nine is Cthulhu Death May Die, which... Just saying, doesn't sound like something I would say, but it's just so much fun. And the reason it's lower down on my list is because it's not something I'm going to play loads of, and it's not something I can bring to the table that often, but it's just such a fun game, and it is a bit ridiculous with the minis and everything, in my opinion. But it is the kind of game that you want all that kind of stuff in. I I do understand that, even if the things don't fit on the tiles. Anyway, it's fine. But it's... Just, it's a really good game where you're just going around, stopping cultists from getting Cthulhu, and you've got to run around and you're getting all these different abilities, and the more damage you take to your sanity, unfortunately, the better your powers get, and it's just so tense and so exciting, and it's it's the only of that style of game I have in my collection, and I'm really glad it's in there, because it is nice to have, hey, do you want to play just a straight-on, like, a Meritrash game and it's just it's but it's really good at what it does and I just was so surprised by it that I'm really happy to have got the chance to play it so that's my number nine have you played it? I will not no still not managed to play it it's definitely in my wheelhouse we talked about it in the last episode just got to uh, try and convince Ronan to buy it and all he's got to try and convince me to buy it so one of us is going to end up with it I've got it for sale if you're not joking 
<laughs> Can't be that it's gonna good. It's going to be sure that ends up buying it. It's going to be sure that ends up buying it. Trust me. And then uh, so I reserve my judgment. I, I said last time, I don't have to look into it. He's going to buy it. I know it's he true. is. Don't, don't judge. <laughs> Wait, I mean, we're just don't. so far past that. There's... My number nine is later on on somebody's list. Ooh. Whoa. And now Matthew's going to talk about his number eight which also featured earlier on one of Roland's books. My number eight is Paris La Cite Lumière. Paris again, La Cite Lumière. Which is Paris City of Lights. And it's <laughs> another two-player game. And this is by Devere Games. So it looks like a like it looks like a Cosmos two-player game because they're kind of like partnered companies. And it's oh, it's so good. It's a game of like two... It's a game of two halves, isn't it? And it's a game of, where you've got the first half, you're kind of like laying out the board. The second half, you're putting all your stuff down. And it's just, I can't really explain this game very well because it just feels really, really weird. But basically, you've got to try and put things next to lights to get points. And it's just such a cool back and forth two-player game that starts off by being really like, oh, this seems pretty simple. And then you start playing it and you it gives you the option to like, and don't if you made a mistake, there's things that you can do to stop yourself from making those mistakes. And because it just... It seems so easy, but it becomes so difficult so quickly. And there's a bunch of special powers and a bunch of different ways to score, and it's really, really good. Have either of you played this game, Paradise Lumia? Ronan has, and I'm sure he'll talk about it. In... Given it's my number 10, it's number oh, 10. Was it? worst question you've ever asked. We just mentioned I that three listen... times. This is good ah. listening skills, everyone. Of all the Paris games that um, are either mooted or have come out, uh, Paris New Eden, this, and the Kramer and Kiesling game, uh, Paris which has just been kickstarted. This was the one I had the least interest because it's kind of abstracty. Really didn't like it, the thought of it at all, but I'm hearing very good things. We sat down and had a discussion about it with Rachel the other night. And she's she's a big fan of this one. She really likes it. So, um, yeah, I'm quite keen to give it a go. Don't swim in those waters. True. Shot. True. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a competitive game of patchwork on a shared board, but you set the board before you play oh, down such a good way of putting it those are the words I was thinking of trying to use but it never came to my brain <laughs> I'll give you some lessons when we're off air um, and the first half of where you set the board because you're laying down where the polyano is going to be laid and also how points can get scored I am just awful at it or Rachel's the best player ever at it because we're just entirely we cannot get close in scores at this game but it's the whole triple think of first you're setting the board then you place the polyomnos and then you've got these eight special powers and you can use four of them each and the whole thing comes together it's only half an hour but it's very very clever it might be 10 because i keep losing you know it's always going to make you a tiny bit bitter but there you go fantastic choice betty oh thank you yeah okay so my number eight features later on somebody else's list and my number eight should feature later and i'm quite surprised that this is getting as little love as it's got in end of year things because Maracaibo when it came out I thought made a huge splash I know it wasn't for everyone but I thought that it had enough of a positive impact it had enough longevity and variety in play and a few different paths to go down and there was interaction and I really thought it was what everything that people wanted in a modern euro it's not the perfect game for me but i've certainly enjoyed it enough the campaign play is very light like small changes there's a tiny bit of a story as you go through it's not incredibly well implemented it's not a narrative game in any way but it just gives you something slightly different to think about each time tons of cards in it the deck mixes up every game you play is gonna be slightly different so i really enjoyed maracaibo not top top rank but good enough for my top 10 i got some thoughts about maracaibo 
Do you want? Do you, would you like them? I guess it is a podcast, so that's Did pretty. You hit me. Hit, should I hunker well, down? Well, I thought. Bit? So I do not like Great Western Trail. I just do not like that game, and I've tried with it so many times. And then I played Maracaibo, a very very long game of it, because we were learning it as we went uh, with Sean Nat and. It's. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. So I do. They they are definitely different enough to warrant playing the other one. I think, which is important. But I feel like it just. It just seemed to be like twenty quid more expensive than Great Western Trail and difficult to get hold of. Like they didn't print that many, and I feel like it just they didn't give it what the game needed to get it in enough people's hands to make it a bigger game. Because I definitely think it should be a bigger game than it is. It's, it is it is bizarre. And I would say that, like, oh, I feel like one way of winning is probably the best way to win. But, I mean, I've only played it once, so I do not know that for a fact. <laughs> what do you think about it, Sean? For me, it kind of rests on that one mechanism where where players can sort of set the speed of the round. If one player races to the end of the round... Sort of everybody else has got to sort of match speed and do quickly do the most important things to them. That that kind of breaks it for me. I don't think it's a bad mechanism in itself. I think it's quite an interesting one. But I I really enjoy the going up and setting the characters on the different islands and and visiting a lot of those different places to try and explore different aspects of the game and then if one person's kind of right i'm just going to the places where you're going to give me those influence on the islands and build up my army etc i'm going to race around the board it doesn't let me explore the game as much as i want yeah to. it's 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 as though other players have to stop you from playing the game that you want to play yeah. so it stops you having fun yeah. playing it right and I think I think it's an interesting mechanism, and if you like that kind of thing, absolutely. I think it's a, a, a solid game. But for my taste, and for me, and running always does it. I like to turtle up in the corner in games and do my own little thing. I don't like being go for the money strategy, so, like an absolute. <laughs> Just find the economy in any game. It kind of goes against that, and people can interrupt my favourite way of gaming too easily in this. So, not a bad game, but not my game. A very interactive Euro, I think, which is why it throws some people off. It Maybe it sits a little outside the usual yeah. sphere of people's happy place. Hmm, yeah. Sure. Let's move on to our number sevens. Let's reach to the... Sky. Reach to the sky. So, mine is... Uh, it's reach for the stars, but is it stars? Oh, okay. <laughs> thanks for that. Reach for the sky is if you're holding up a bank. <laughs> <laughs> reach for the sky. There's a snake in my boot. <laughs> so my number seven is City Skylines from Cosmos. It's based on the computer IP, and it is pretty much a direct sort of transfer onto the board game format. You are building up a city. You're trying to manage the various resources. You're trying to keep your traffic down and your refuse down. And you're trying to keep give people jobs and sort of balance energy needs, etc. All the things you need in a modern day city. And it's entirely you got the polyominoes part of it as well. It's very important where you lie. And you've got managing economy, which obviously sings to what I like to do. I just think it's a very pleasing game. It's a cooperative as well, so it does make you chat a lot about what you're going to do next, and you really do have to have that discussion about where your city's going, and it kind of does feel, it kind of invokes that feeling of how you're actually running this city. A little bit too easy, we found it, but we didn't throw all of the, the little modules in, but I just found it a very, very pleasing game. I've not played this one, and I would like to play it. It does sound like it's up my street. 
if I'm honest. You know, because I don't, because it feels like it might be satisfying because it's not like too yes. taxing, like quite a relaxed game. I just, I do like, yeah. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, satisfying. Yeah, it sounds a bit too relaxed for me. <laughs> I'm not sure I can see a, a hook or a, I think it sounds fine and I'll happily play it, but I, it's not something I'm going to bother to seek out because I like to be challenged a bit more in a co-op. And my number seven was Sean's number eight, and it is Sierra West, the old West prospecting-themed game from Board and Dice, in which you set up a pyramid of cards and you are going to be uh, running two workers along tracks, having drawn three cards and set them up so that you're setting your own tracks with your own actions along there. And you're looking to get the timing right between climbing the mountain to claim cards, claiming resources, converting resources, moving your wagon along a trail. And then there are scenario-specific things you could do, like collect apples or collect mines or deal with robbers. And it's the fact that four different scenarios came in the game. It's an interesting euro, even if you only have one of them, but you get that much variety. There's also the racing out to get the cards. It as you get better at it, it gets quicker and it gets tighter and you're realising that you really are going to have to think and, and make everything tight and work together and the puzzle, even when it's other players' turns, keeps you constantly engaged as well as the fact you've got the ability to take turns on other players' turns by following along with them a little bit. But it costs you a tiny little thing on your turn you can't use a building. And it all comes together to me for constant Euro action under 90 minutes. I'm thinking a lot and I'm enjoying myself a lot. So I, Sierra West, my number seven. Yeah, Roland, it was my number eight. And I think it's a very, very clever game. I think it was one of those games that felt like a project, but they actually managed to carry off good gameplay in there as well. It was like something like Friedman Freese's 504, was it? That felt like, yeah, it was a project and it kind of worked, but it wasn't fun. (laughs) They've managed to actually... (laughs) well, they've managed to pull off the double trick when they've actually made it fun and interesting. And it's, it's just a, a good game to play. I haven't played all the modules myself, but the first two certainly enjoyed them. In fact, the first one I still go back to as my favourite one. So, yeah, big fan of Sierra West. I don't know why I didn't put this on my list because I absolutely could have because it is fantastic. And it's one of those only games where you're not waiting for your turn, even though the turns can take... It can take a long time to get back to your turn. But you're normally planning for that entire time and it just it's yeah it's just really 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 good and the reason it's not on my list is because i just haven't played it anywhere near as much as i would like to have played it i think but it's great yeah sierra west a double choice and matthew should have put it on this we'll just call it a triple choice yeah Yeah, we we could have we definitely could have i think okay this next one although you're not going to mention what it is could have been a triple choice as well there's a bit of foreshadowing Ooh. yes so (laughs) do you want to let him say it himself We are number six, are we? Seven. Seven, are we? All right. Number seven. But you're not going to talk about it because it appears later. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Okay. (laughs) My number seven comes up later because it's great. So, moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Number six, Ronan, lead us in. Uh, we've talked about this a billion, trillion, quadrillion times. So very quickly, Castello Mathoni, the uh, abstracty, controlliery, but also economic game where you're supposed to be merchants of Venice taking over an island. It is unsung, unpraised, and fantastic. That's it. Castello Mathoni, my number six. Bloody heck, that's a pretty high praise, I tell you. 
I've got up that. I've got up that five more times. I'm really trying to words. I get the thesaurus out. <laughs> this munificent game. <laughs> Matthew, have you played Castello Mathurney? No, I'm not. It's completely passive eye. I saw it at uh, Essen, and I was gonna do a demo of it, but I just never did. And it does look cool, but I just don't know anything about it now because I've. I've if I saw it on a table, I'd go, I know what that game is. But isn't it based on an older game? No idea, Ronan. No, not that I know of. <laughs> but I always say that to you. You come out of that and I'm like, oh, I don't know, is it? I'm going to double check, maybe. So I'm pretty we... sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. We're learning. We're learning. Why is he a professional at this, Ronan? I don't know. Um... Oh, Sean. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> not only does it re-implement an old game, guess what it re-implements? Go on. Masons. Masons? <laughs> That's nothing like Masons. <laughs> Alright, they made Masons decent. <laughs> uh, Masons is like Sean has been his least favourite game for about ten years. They've obviously but we with Masons it was just it didn't work and they've obviously fixed what didn't work about it. it so long ago I could barely remember it. But it was like you could get yourself in little holes and traps in Masons and one player could just walk away with a victory. But yeah, they've obviously fixed it. Castello Mathoni, surprisingly, I enjoyed it. I didn't think I was going to, but it's, it's very clever. There's a bit of economy in there, a bit of strategy, a bit of take that, and it all comes together in a nice little bundle. Oh, how lovely. I knew I had a bit of information. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm professional. I know what's going on. <laughs> have I done my number seven? No, I have, I nice. So we're moving on to number six, are we now? I don't know what's going on. That was a lie. But when I said I knew what was going on, that was a lie. <laughs> Are you are you taking crystal meth as we're recording? I've got an old list. It's nothing's making sense. No one's no one's things are in the right place. It's very difficult to keep along with what's going on. I sent about nineteen of the new one out in different formats. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> you said out in that funny format. I couldn't print. It's like a p- Pentagon format or something. I'm like, what is this? Blow my neck. I'm having a hard time. It's all right. <laughs> Your number six, Matthew, is unmatched. By the way. <laughs> Am I saying that now? <laughs> great. I think so. Are you? No one knows. Yeah. My number six is a great game. It's unmatched. I mean, it's there's there's few better, but there's games better than it, so I guess it's not completely unmatched, but it is fantastic. So it's unmatched, which is the re-implementation of Star Wars Epic Duels, I think, and it's just so good. And you can play two players, whereas two people running around a board basically trying to kill each other. And it's with card play, so you've got a hand of cards, and there's you've got the main character and your sidekicks, as it were. And they it's Mondo are partnered on it, so there's a massive amount of different IPs that, that, that are going to be coming out in the future for it. Like I got a Bruce Lee figure for mine. I've got Bigfoot versus Robin Hood. I've got Arthur, Alice, Medusa, and Simbad. It's just so much fun. And you can play it like as all out war with like three or four people if you want to do it a strange. It's not in the rule book to do it that way, but you can play it in teams as well. And it's just so tactical and so fun. And the minis are just, the price point is so good for the game. Everything about it, I absolutely love. It's another game which is not something I'd normally ever play, but I just absolutely loved it. And I was so blown away by Unmatched. So. It's my number six. Do you like this one, Matthew? Mainly because it's got Bigfoot in it. Because we've listened, we've listened to Death by Monsters. We know you're Bigfoot. He does obsession. believe in Bigfoot. He does believe in Bigfoot. Yes. I believe in the powerful northern ape. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's only since I moved to Dudley. <laughs> I've seen him. He's by the canal. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just love hairy it. Hairy yet also bald. It's strange. A, it's a beautiful mix. <laughs> it's a mix. Okay. Um, honestly, mate, and I know you keep telling me it's great, but every time someone describes our match to me, I get shivers up my spine going, no, no, I don't know. This is just silly. Just Bruce Lee against Simbang is magic. I don't want that. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a horrible person. I just don't want that. Ronan hates fun. It's true. Hates yeah. it. Just hates it. He just, he, he rejects it at all. It's just the way it is. I just <laughs> had no fun in my life. Okay, so moving on to my number six. It is a Clinic Deluxe, because Clinic actually did come out uh, before last year, but it came out in a pizza box with the worst components of any game ever made. So we're not going to count that one. It comes from AV Studios. And the new design has been sort of uh, reworked uh, art- artistically-wise and design-wise by Ian O'Toole. It's so good-looking. Sorry, carry on. It's real. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've done it. They've done it proud with the re the reworking for sure. This game is a massively big brain workout. You've got to work on different floors. Yeah, it's like a three D aspect to it. The theme. I I love the theme. We've talked about it before. I used to like a game called Theme Hospital. When, when I, when I had my old, uh, Amiga, I used to play that all the time. And I just loved that hospital theme. I loved it with Dice Hospital. And so that drew me into it. But this game, it just, it all makes sense, but it all, it's all so hurty. Brain hurty is what it is, Ronan. It's a brain hurty game. I'm so wary of opening <laughs> this box because I looked at it in the original Kickstarter I looked at it in the second Kickstarter and some of the things in there I was like this is very album VR where this thing doesn't make any sense whatsoever there's no reason for this and when I play games where there's no reason for something being in there I find it hard to get my head round because I'm a weirdo what's got no reason can you remember anything specific uh, some of like the spatial stuff and the parking and the way things connect to each other I can't remember that way, but definitely. But isn't there weird reasons why rooms can't be next to rooms and stuff like that? And there, definitely the parking. There's a little there. bit of, like, some of the rooms, you know, there's no reason. They just want to split it up because it makes the game harder to play. But the gen- yeah, exactly. yeah, the That's general... very album VR thing yeah, to do. Well, the general reason of the, the rooms being in certain sort of order is, is the time element. It takes your doctors to get there. So if you're building a, sort of a, a room on top of a room, this, it's so that well, your doctor can travel upwards up the stairs, go into that room quicker, and it's about getting your doctors around the hospital quicker and more efficiently. But doesn't that movement thing only make sense within the mechanisms of the game and not actually spatially? Some of it does and some of it doesn't. That's the thing that's in my head. Is it like a... oh? So, Sean sent it to me, and I'm supposed to be playing it next week. <laughs> I've scheduled it in. <laughs> I've taken the plunge. So it's really good, and you do have to schedule it in because it's it is ridiculous, but it's fantastic. And me and Sean played it. This would if I got the chance to play this a bunch more times, it definitely probably could have made this list because it's it's yeah, it's excellent. You just have to get into it, and it's been it's I I found the game it's intimidating, frankly, but it's really really good. I do think you should try it. I do think you'll like it. It's yeah, it's great. Album album VR games, I've I've played them, and then there's a couple I've just made a decision to go, right, I'm going to actually learn this. His 3D City one, where you had to put blocks of each other. So I got into it, and then I, I was like, right, I actually understand it. I understand how to score <laughs> points. I'm no longer coming dead last in this. I probably played it like 10 times. 
And at the end of it, regretted putting that much effort into it. <laughs> because I went, right, I understand this game, but it's such a weird, twisted, strange logic. I, I don't know why I bothered. With Clique, because you guys love it. I do, I like the theme that I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to try, Sean. I'm going to try. I can only try, Sean. L- little story. So when when I first bought this in the first version, I asked um, our friend Steve uh, to pick it up for me because I wasn't going to be at Essen when they were sort of giving out the pre-orders. So Steve uh, went, went along, picked it up for me, and we arranged to meet in one of the halls. So I see Steve coming, and he's got a big smile on his face. Oh, he's nice. Happy to see me. As I get closer, I see he, he's actually wetting himself laughing. So... So I'm like, what's wrong with him? And I said to his friend, he goes, wait, wait for it. So Steve dips into his bag and pulls out a pizza box. It's all flattened on one side. All the components are dripping out into his bag. And he collapses on the floor as he hands me this thing that I've spent 40 quid on. And luckily you learned your lesson and didn't spend more money on exactly the same game. So that's good. It is a bit of a shame, but it's, yeah, Clinic Deluxe is so good. Have you played any of the expansion stuff? Because there's a whole expansion for it. Mate, I can't get my head around the base game yet. <laughs> there's a lot. I think that's a good thing about that game is if you take the plunge, there's a lot of game there to play. It's Yeah, it's great. Okay, moving on to number five, Matthew. All right. My number five is the Taverns of Tiefenthal, which is a word we've all learned to say over the last year. And it's a... Who makes it? What's his name? Really famous board game designer. Wolfgang Vosch. Wolfgang Vosch! He makes it, and it's just... So <laughs> you have get... to say it that way. Wolfgang Vosch! Yeah, he doesn't have to be angry. His name is just Wolfgang Vosch. I was saying it as it is. I don't know why you're getting angry about it. <laughs> so it's a kind of a deck build. It's Because I wanted to like Quacks of Quidlinburg a lot. And I just, I liked it. And you it. do, because it's a really good game. And, and I liked it, no argument. but Carry I just it. couldn't get to love that game because you could just be absolutely hosed by it, by just bad luck. Whereas this game is a deck, it has this kind of like a deck builder because you're trying to upgrade your bar, your tavern, to make it the best tavern in all of the world. And you're trying to do that by buying cards. And as you buy the cards, they go on top of your deck so you know what you're going to be drawing the next round. You're going to go through all of your deck as well so that you can't just keep on drawing five one golds or whatever you know like in dominion just go how does this keep on happening it's just has everything it just alters everything about quacks of quidlinburg and makes it right even though the games do not feel the same in the same at all but it's just really fun to upgrade everything in your bar to make everything a bit better to get better cards so you can get nobles and you sit these nobles at the desk at the at the bar and you get bunches of points and the nobles are all the points but they clog up your hand it's just really satisfying just upgrade because you're just upgrading stuff all the time and that feels fun to play and it feels good and i would play this game with all the modules all the time i mean even for the first play of this game you can just go all in because there's not really that much to keep going to keep in your in your mind once you get going with the game i absolutely love it i love the way the game looks Everything about this game I think is fantastic. Taverns of Teeth and Thal. I think it's one that's kind of like been forgotten because it was released so early in 2019. I love it. And the next big box game that comes out, like Euro game that he brings out, I'll be getting that as well because if it's on the back of this, it's I just, yeah, I just love it. I really do. So I did like the Quacks of Quillenberg. So this one was high and mighty get list. It was, it was lived difficult to get in England for a little while so I end up getting the German version and printing out uh, the English rules but that's fine because it's uh, it's easy enough to do that so 
the game itself I played about five or six times. And what we found was after that fourth or fifth game, nothing was changing. It's very it became very evident what upgrade you should go for first. You always want an extra table in your in, etc. to get that extra extra patron in. And it and it also became very predictable and we could almost tell who had won the game before it had finished. If I knew that Nat had got five nobles into her hand and I'd got three, but so my other two cards that I picked up didn't have enough points to make up for the noble scoring. I kinda knew Nat was gonna win and there was nothing in the last round maybe I could do to change that. So it all became very predictable and it was on tracks for so, so I got rid of it. Not a bad game, but I just it just became boring for me by the end. Sean, wind your neck in, mate. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> How about you, Ryan? Yeah, he's a wrong one. They're both good. Quacks of Quedlinburg is really good, and this is this is good. Uh, and I haven't played it enough to come up with a full, fully rounded, gone through all five modules and say, right, this is my final opinion on Taverns of Tiefenthal. Now, the fact I've been meaning to do that for months, yeah. it's been sitting on my to-play-more shelf, says something slightly about it. It wasn't that exciting, but the times when I do persuade myself to get it out, I enjoy it a lot. Uh, in terms of that being the scorers decided we're going the last couple of rounds, there's nine rounds in the game. It takes just over an hour. You're talking about maybe sitting around for five or ten minutes to run it out to see who wins. It didn't bother me too much. I understand Sean's point, but I still think it's a fine game, Matthew, and a near miss for me. I would say just one last thing about it. I do think one thing that puts it up way higher on my list maybe is just I really do love the way it looks. I like games about bars, and I just think it's really warm and cosy and gives me a good feeling when I play it as well. So that does that is part of it as well. So maybe I'm slightly biased in its favour because of the theme. You are a raging alcoholic as well. Well, that's what I was trying to say without saying. <laughs> I've asked you not to say it on it. Oh, Matthew, Matthew is. Matthew is. You're right. Okay, so my number five, I know somebody's going to be on board with this one because it features on their list later. Which marries nicely with my number five because this featured on your list previously Sean what uh, it was Sean's number nine and it's my number five and it's Isle of Cats now it's a bit funny we're putting this out because we're reviewing it next episode <laughs> so you're gonna hear a lot more about it spoilers we both like it everyone <laughs> likes a, it it's, I mean, it's one of those games I think everybody pretty much likes this game so it's good it's it's really good it really is. it combines a card draft in which is not punishing but is interesting because you don't have to keep the cards that you draft with a polyomino game but you're drafting those tiles from each other and they cost something so there's a tiny bit of resource management sean literally turned it into a resource management game <laughs> i lost horribly uh, but weirdo but it was your first game and also it tells me that all of these mechanisms are quite if you've played a game with card drafting with polyominoes with a bit of resource you're going to understand this game really quickly it's yeah. very simple to teach however if you play your first game against players who have played it before, they will beat you. And that, again, says something to me in that there is more to it than those simple blender mechanisms will make it first appear. So while it's light enough to teach lots and lots of people and they'll be able to play it in order to play it well, to me, you need to think a bit more about it. And also, you have to have a coherent strategy on your drafting. And there are different strategies to go down. And that makes it all a very interesting package, very easy to teach in a nice, I said I was going to be brief, in a decent Ooh. play length as well. So my number five of the year, again with the potential to rise, is Isle of Cats. It's ace. It really is good. I like it a lot. 
I gave my copy to Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. And I looked at one of the score lines in there, and I can't believe you didn't cheat. And you got you got like a hundred and forty or something. Oh, I absolutely owned one of those games. I was just I couldn't. I was just on fire. I haven't. I don't think I've broken eighty yet. Well, I'll play you. We'll see what happens, <laughs> Sean. That that really is saying a lot more about you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> um. It was a very late entry because uh, Matthew was very kind enough to give us his copy. He knew he knew Nat would really like it. She's really into her cats, and yeah, it's a, a very clever blend of mechanisms, thinky but not overwhelming. Uh, like the theme, and yeah, we've had a lot of fun with it. But we will talk about that more in the next episode. So moving on from there into our top four, which is a thing people talk about a lot. Your top four. I, that's a, that was a good thing to introduce like that. <laughs> the famous top four, they say. <laughs> dun, dun, Not another dun. top four. List. I guess I'm up first, and my number four is Draftosaurus coming from Unkama Games. Wow. And yeah, and they uh, did things like Crossmaster, Tales of Glory, and Monster Slaughter. I had to look it up because I'd never heard of them before. <laughs> Uh, even though, even, Those even famous though I didn't games. own, <laughs> yeah, even though I own Monster Slaughter, I just didn't know who made it. <laughs> so, Again, you're owning up to a lot of things am, this week. I I'm am. not sure you. It's a little look through the <laughs> into the pit and Sean's lack of knowledge. So, Draftosaurus, a really simple game. Who doesn't love little dinosaur meeples? I think it plays a lot of ages. Like my seven-year-old son can play it quite easily, and still myself and Nat. I really enjoy it. Uh, it. It plays really quickly. If you play the double game, as you're talking about, forty minutes, but the the single game is only twenty minutes. And I just I just have a lot of fun. You don't have to switch your head on too much. You're just reacting, rolling with the flow. And I I love games about dinosaurs, so it was a obvious choice for me. Draftosaurus. It is way better than it has any right to be for a kids' game about drafting dinosaurs. I can understand why you've put it on there. I think it's probably more a choice because you enjoy it so much with James rather than for the quality of the game itself, which is good, but I don't think it's top 10 worthy. There you go. I will also say it's way better than it deserves to be. It really is a lot of fun, and I do enjoy this game a lot. And I know quite a lot of other people have said the same thing. They just really like this game for what it is because it's got a very roll and write feel to it, and it's just, yeah, it really is fun, and it's very charming. So the, I bought this one for, for Ronan and his family. I bought it for like the whole family at Christmas. And obviously things went a bit awry at Christmas and I, we didn't get to play it for ages. But I just thought it was the perfect after-dinner Christmas game. Everyone can get involved. You don't have to think too much. Uh, you can bring sort of granny and grandma who can come and play it and everyone can enjoy it. I just thought it was the perfect Christmas day game. So that's that was one of the reasons and- I bought it for and in that, you misjudge my family because it's a drafting <laughs> game in which we can screw each other over. Okay, so you can have fun tucking each other up. <laughs> That's the version of fun we enjoy around here. Ruthless fun. <laughs> okay. My number four appears later in someone else's list. It must be a good game. My number four is QE, Quantitative Easing, the sexiest name in board games. Or Sean adjusts his belt, as we like to call it. (laughs) (laughs) What's he he doing over there, touching that? He's he's just constantly... Easing or breaking the dam. Quantitative difficulty. So this is a reprint, and but they made it into like, actually look like a board game rather than a abstract art piece. And... 
do you sit at home drawing up lists of reprints? How do you know these are all reprints? No, no, this one was because it was the te- people who made it. They actually just made wooden products. It was board game tables. And they actually had, it was a wooden product. Like no, so bef- it was made first by the company that made Jam Sumo, then board game Cubicle. tables took it. So yeah, yeah, Cubica, I think it was. And yeah, it. Any- yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's great. It's a game where, because I love the game High Society by Ryan it's just a fantastic game where you can just, uh, you can spend as much money as you want, but the person who spends the most money at the end is going to lose. Matthew, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But on the, I have to say, on the BTG list, it says QE, re-implements QE. It's the most Matthew Jude board game ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. And what you're doing is everyone's bidding on tiles. You're basically in a almost roll and write kind of way. You're filling out a sheet with dry erase markers to try and set collect. And you set collecting by auctions. The only thing with the auctions is that you can bid however much you want. You can bid one pound or you can bid a hundred million trillion pounds. But in the end of the game, the person who bids the most money can't win and you're trying to get tiles to collect sets to get points but the thing is is that the game kind of evolves around the players and you'll bid a thousand and then the next person will end up bidding well they bid a thousand i could probably spend two thousand and the next person's well i could probably spend five thousand and you get tiny bits of information as the game goes on and it all goes absolutely haywire exactly it's really thematic in that way and i absolutely love it it's not a hit with everyone i played it with some people and they've just not enjoyed it but I absolutely think this game is incredible. It's uh, when uh, at at the end of the year we go to uh, Gearstones, uh, which is like a board game retreat that we go on. Sean was there last time, and it's really really fun. And I just I bought my copy of that, and just someone seemed there was just a group of people seemed to be playing that game the entire time we were there. It's just really really fun. It's really good. It's just one of the most interactive, funny, enjoyable experiences that you're going to have in gaming. Yeah, even even just down to the. the the child and you writing writing the nasty messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you if you're no interest in the bid at all, you just write an abusive message to the person who's taking all the chips in. It's, it's yeah, it's great. And it... yeah, what wonder wonderful game. And there's a game under it as well. It's not just about the interaction and the yeah. group experience. And it's just a very clever piece of work. And we've already, we've already established how Ronan hates fun. But he also hates presents as well, because I bought this for him and he refuses to play it. And that's only 80% because it annoys you every time you come around and say, have you played that yet? I go, no, next week, mate. Definitely next week. But uh, no, not yet. But next week, Sean. <laughs> I've so got this listed. Do play it at the full player count. That's the one thing I would say. I've played at five is definitely the best way to play it, in my opinion. There's only four people in my family, Matthew. Well, leaks like, looks like you've got to get busy. <laughs> I, I'm have to burn it, aren't I? <laughs> get busy and then wait. Eight years for them to grow. <laughs> At least. At wait, least. wait, wait, Ronan, you can wait until they re implement QE with QE again. Oh, imagine if they made QE out of this. They what can call it QE2. Get it? <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> okay. QE Lewis, QE4. Uh, uh, no, I'm stopping there. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on to our number three. Top three time. Well, it's not as good as your top four, is it? It's not as good as your top four, but still, it's quite good. Top three. Ronan, 
Okay, my number three is another game that actually I've talked about a few times over the course of this year, so I'm going to be quick. It's Watergate. It's two players. It's based on the 70s Watergate scandal. I mean, a political scandal in America. Who'd have thought? Oh, it's a bit topical. And it's asymmetrical. One side, Nixon and his administration. The other side are the journalists. And it's brilliant. And it's straight manages to be thematic with a theme that I don't really know anything about and it's tight and it always feels like the other player is doing better than you which is perfect for a tight two player game and it doesn't linger around too long and it's relatively easy to teach and it's all about the tension between the pair of you and Watergate is the third best game of 2019. If I'd have played this game I'm very confident it would be on my list but I've not played it and I really really want to because it sounds right up my street. It just seems to be difficult to get at the moment and it's always out of print but yeah, it's definitely one that I wanted to get. That's another. That's the second Capstone Games that you said that about. Oh, is it? I didn't realise yeah. I said about two Capstone. Are they episode 150's Renegade? I mean, we're still waiting for an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> what were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Printed seven copies. Uh, yeah, we, we talked about Watergate before, Ronan. It, it is a game that I had no real interest, but you tell me the theme really doesn't matter. I do worry, worry about my stress levels if I do play it, but I, I think I'd like to give it a go with that. I worry about your stress levels in general, man. Have you thought about meditation? <laughs> so, my number three, if you care to hear, because I'm definitely going to say it. Once you work out what it is. Maybe we'll draw a map while we're waiting to hear. <laughs> well, the thing is, right, so... I, you're right, that's great. So, <laughs> I think this is actually now my number two game, because I've played it so much more. But I won't mess with the list because the list is already written. But cartographers... Just invalidate it instead. <laughs> I feel... <laughs> I'm invalid. <laughs> We've all done a pretty good job of that. So my number three is Cartographers, and I do think it would be my number two at this point. It's just so good. I'm not a big roll and write fan. I'm just not. And technically, this is a flip and write game, which is ironic because it's made by the people who make role player who do dice games. It doesn't make sense, and that's fine. But it's a game where you're kind of like drawing cards, everyone puts their cards out, uh, everyone puts that shape into their board, and you're scoring Isle of Skyle style. Isle of Sky style. That's what I say. Isle of Skyle. So you like... Isle of Sky... of Guile. Yeah. Mile of Tile. Isle of Man style. And what you'll have is... Selena Kyle style. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like Melinda Carlyle. What you're doing is you're... uh, (laughs) Like A and B will score. There's four different ways to score. And A and B will score in the first round. Uh, A and C, then B and B and B and D, something like that, right? And so you're always trying to... I didn't think you could make it more confusing than our 20 Isle of Sky puns, and then you did that. (laughs) (laughs) So the scoring changes as the game goes on, and it's just so good. I'm waiting for it. They do, though, though, don't they, though? They do, though, don't they? QE, influence QE, influence QE, where you score BD. (laughs) So what happens in (laughs) Cartographers as well is that every now and again there's going to be like an ambush card where monsters are going to come in, so everyone gives their sheet to the person next to them and they put the monster in the worst place possible to ruin your game for you. And that's the kind of thing that would make me go, no, that's a terrible idea, don't do that, let's just do the best we can without any interruptions. But because everyone gets to do it, it makes it really does add to the game and I just can't recommend this enough. There is a really, really good online implementation that I recommend you go and play if you have the chance because that's the best way to play games at the moment. And I just, I really, really like it and I'm vindicated because it's got nominated for the Kennerspiel. So I just I just think it's fantastic. Uh, Cartographers is the 
roll and write slash flip and write for me. I'll just pick up Ronan one before we start, Matthew. In what world do you think a top ten list by us three complete and utter twonks is in any way valid? I'm just going to do it by myself next year. You're right. <laughs> right, back to Isle of Belinda Carlisle. So, is this not set in, is it set in the role-player world, isn't it? It is, yeah. You're, yes. Yeah. So that, that in itself put me completely off because I think role-player is a horrific game. You are Truda. so right. Role-player is incredible. Role-player is so good. Role-player is terrible. Awful. You're both wrong. How do you both feel about Sagrada? Like it, love it. It's okay. I love both those games. Role player is incredible, absolutely fantastic game. Role player dull as ditch water, mitigated to just no interest. I'm so angry right now. Good. <laughs> Feed me your anger. I do think you'd like cartographers. Give it a go. I mean, I'm going to be buying it when it comes back in print. So, which I'm going to imagine they're going to print the arse out of it because they're just going to because it's been nominated for an award. So I'm going to get it as soon as I can. It's just so fun. I would absolutely love it. I'll definitely give it a go with you, Matthew. No, not with me. You're not playing it with me, mate. (laughs) So when you're trying to draw the map in this, are you trying to make a little piece of heaven on earth? (laughs) Oh, baby. baby. (laughs) (laughs) Not much. Not much. To be honest with you, it's quite cheap. Just just check. I've sent you the link. Um, Yeah. It's a, it's a role by, well now see I didn't think no not flipping rights but I've been playing Welcome Two and we're reviewing that next episode as well so I'll stop going any further other than saying it might have changed my mind on uh, flipping rights. Oh, let um, me tell you quickly: yeah. go download the Settlers of Imperial Settlers app. It's great. That's enough. Get out. It's good. Right, so Rod Ro has definitely made his circle in the sand there. So I'm going to move on, and I'm going. That's, to... it, that's the only two songs of hers that exist. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, obviously I am between the lot of us I'm the only sort of corporate shill or gaming mark amongst us because I'm the only one who picked probably the biggest winner of this year in every other in top 10 or gaming awards it's Wingspan from Stonemaier Games I've not heard of it what's it about? no never heard of it <laughs> I almost didn't put it in because I'm, I'm getting really bored with Stonemaier Games at the it's about uh, Mark Spitz. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> There's a niche joke. Carry on. <laughs> it was about Mark Spitz. He's just picking no- names out of the ether now. Don't make me explain it, but there's like four people listening that are going to laugh at that joke. <laughs> so, it's about John Wayne Bobbitt. <laughs> wow! Nice <laughs> down network. Um, I think it's it's just a great two-player game. As myself and Nat play it, we've got it down to thirty minutes. Really does an outstanding welcome. The theme, I like the way the birds tie in with the theme. I think it's bringing new people into the gaming sphere and bringing new, introducing new people to to our to our love, the, what we love doing. And I think it's a, it's a really good accessible game, and I thoroughly enjoy playing it. That's Wingspan. It's a point of shandy. 
<laughs> it's fine to, to, you know, on a hot day, if you don't really fancy having a drink or you're driving, knock one back quick, you're done in half an hour, get out of there. You're not really going to remember that pint of shandy, are you? It's, it's You're not going to be on it for the 10 hours that you're having a sesh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's perfectly fine. And I've said it before that if this is the game that is the latest one to be a breakthrough and, and mainstream and spread what we would consider proper you know gaming mechanisms then i am very happy that he's doing it because it is absolutely wonderfully produced and not just in the looks but in the usability it's a fantastic introduction into what would be considered heavier games to the general populace and i'm very happy that this has made a big breakthrough i just don't need to play it it's but, but i will it's fine it's just fine for me i i do really like wingspan and if i'm being honest with myself it definitely could have made my top 10 i think and i kind of wanted to bring a few games in that just don't get talked about quite as much as wingspan uh, i think that's why it didn't make the list because i just i'm a bit sick of hearing about it if i'm honest matthew jude finding seven ways to invalidate our top 10 list. <laughs> it's all it's already invalid so why not why? well i will say it's just i'm never if someone says you want to play wingspan i'm i'm, I'm never going to be like no, why would I want to? It's just, it is a really fun little game, and I do like it. But I do think it works really well as a two-player game, because you can play it at like a filler game length. It's like half an hour game at two players. It, yeah. If you're saying the best thing about a game is I can get it through it quickly, is it that good a game? I think if this game was much longer, then it, don't, it wouldn't bear repeat That's, That was the negative side of it. But the positive that gets given for it is almost not a positive. It's a neutral. It's You can get through it quickly. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's like we love, it's like the act of lovemaking, right? Let's talk about it. Next time. <laughs> Wingspan actually <Right>. starts <laughs> after half an hour. Is anyone still having fun? It's difficult to say at that point, isn't it? Half an hour. Question. I'm at work, dressed. <laughs> <laughs> now, I just I think Wingspan's great, and I think it gets a lot of uh, slack where it doesn't, where it's not deserved, and I think it gets a lot of slack for all the wrong reasons as well because it's it's a quality game. I think you're right. I think I think there is a bit of snobbery around Wingspan. Big time. Was, uh, a lot. Of people I can hear you. Just... <laughs> no, you you give it props for what you think it, it's due. You don't say it's a bad game, but there are people out there who just think say it's a bad game, and it's just not. It's a well put together game. It looks beautiful. It plays well. It makes sense. I mean, it's not. It's a terrible game. It, it might not be to your taste, but it's just not a terrible game. And anyone who says it is, is, is a snob, whether they care to admit it or not. Oh, deep. Okay. Deep. Well, yeah, but I actually found myself agreeing with you there, which is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, you're number two, which cannot be spoken of. There we go. That's it. That's everything you need to know. Brilliant. Sean, <laughs> number two. <laughs> so my number two featured earlier on Matthew's list, and I was quite surprised that it didn't feature on Roman's list. So it is Hadara from Hans Umgluck and yeah, Z-Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I suppose it's always been billed as a quicker version of Seven Wonders. And to some, some extent, that's, that's how I feel about it too. It's a drafting game. I love drafting. This game is incredibly accessible. There's a couple of clever mechanisms in where you're tucking cards away for a, a second part of the round. So you're going to have access to that card again, but. It's, it's the choice, and it's, there's always the choice about feeding your people and building up on the different tracks. Again, not 
particularly heavy in, in terms of the thought process, but still heavy enough to keep it ticking over. And I've really enjoyed my games of Hadara. It's not on my list because I only played it once with you. Oh, you did buy it off that, though. <laughs> I did buy it off that, and I bought the little mini expansions that are available at Essen. I queued so... for a very long time for those expansions. Oh, God, that booth was not run well. It was... Hands <laughs> and luck. And that booth convinced me that Carcassonne is a collectible tile game. It <laughs> really is. <laughs> Uh, did they really hands him gluck you off there? They glucked okay. me right off, mate. <laughs> um, uh, it, it would have been a strong contender with more than just the one play. Again, I liked it enough to buy it. I don't think you're giving it enough credit for its depth, Sean. When you say it's very accessible, I don't think it is very accessible. I think it's very smooth. I think that it's very simple mechanisms. But if you try to explain all of that and all the nuances, and you can do this and you can do that to someone who is getting you know, a non-gamer sort of thing or a casual game, I think it would be a bit too much for them. So a little bit more to it than you gave it credit for. But after one play, I was very impressed, but I can't put a game in on one play in my top 10. I would just say as well for Hadara, I do think that's why it hasn't penetrated as hard as it could, which I regret as phrasing, I'll be honest. But Good. I will say God. that it's... <laughs> It's just, it is, it kind of like builds itself as, oh, it's Seven Wonders, but it's like a different, easier version of Seven Wonders. I don't think it is. And I think it's actually got more depth than you think it's going to have. And that's why it's not a game I'm going to play with maybe a brand new gamer. So it's not as gateway as I think people are expecting it to be. So it's not hitting as hard as it could. And it's just, I just, there's something about that game that's, so, you're getting up these tracks and you're scoring points and you can see how you're progressing and you can see how the game's ramping up and everything about it is just so fun and so satisfying and some people have had a go at it because there's a slight memory element to it because the cards that are discarded that you're going to get later on you kind of want to remember where they are but i feel like you're trying to do so many other things that you really aren't paying attention to that anyway and uh, but everything about this game is fantastic it's one of those games that i played for the first time and i just thought wow this is you know, you get that feeling sometimes after you play a game that you just go, yes, I found a game that I can really enjoy. And that's what I got from this. I just absolutely loved it. I loved it enough to queue for a very long time. It's difficult to penetrate deeply if you're not Hadara enough. I think myself and Roland both bought this off of one play. So that tells you how immediately appealing it is. Yeah, because that one play I had, I played with you. Yeah, and I think after that, I think I don't know whether it's got the longevity. I've only played it sort of four or five times myself. Roland's played it once. So... I, th I suppose time will tell, but so far, so good. The second a proper expansion comes out for this, I'm getting it. That, But I do think it lends itself to that as well. So maybe that says something about the game as well. But I it, it felt difficult to elegantly expand to me because of the way everything interacts. That's There's true. a fine balance in the cards. And, you know, some of the cards help other sections and stuff. And once you get to that where you're crossing resources, it's, it's going to be very hard to expand without sort of making each individual set of cards bland an expansion is going to be a separate board where the resource yeah, yeah you know what i mean definitely i could see with that a whole nother thing you have to do which will easily mix into what you're doing already i think it'll be it'll be tricky it's not like a lot of drafting games it's just here's a few more cards and it's okay this one i'm not so sure that would work on the plus side it's not made by renegade games so it might get an expansion or or <laughs> capstone games they might print enough that's true <laughs> So Ron is now going to talk about a game that had brilliant components when it was released. Oh, that's where we're going, Mr. Cake. <laughs> really? Pizza Box? That's where we want to go, is it? And usually I use Pizza Box and insult to you in a different way, but this time oh yeah, it's about game components. <laughs> My number two for 2019 is Barrage. Boring! The 
carry on. Tell us all about it. I'll tell you how I think. <laughs> like, I'm not the best podcaster in the world, but that sort of instant feedback is just... <laughs> I don't need it, all right? This is hard enough to do. <laughs> it is an interactive, vicious spatial puzzle in which you're fighting over every precious drop of water and you're doing it via action selection or work placement action selection and also very tight resource management with a time aspect to it and all of those mix in together into a two and a half hour long absolute headache where you are praying and praying and praying that someone won't do the thing that will screw your plan and they do it and you think that's it i am out of this and then you feel clever for thinking your way around the obstacle that they have put into your path and every single action that someone takes affects what the other players can do on that action selection which is the best thing for a worker placement it is tight it is mean you need to be thinking and planning yet flexible it is everything that i love in euros and it's a fabulous fabulous game only beaten out by another very fabulous game so it's my number two for 2019 it's barrage let the hate begin i've not played it, it looks fine to me i'll be interested <laughs> <playing> it. <laughs> i'll be well up for playing it let's play it let's do it oh, sounds man. good it probably is, it sounds like it's a game that might be just a slightly too out of my i don't know just something that if you have to have massive massive long-term strategy in a game I can sometimes get overwhelmed if I'm playing it with a bunch of people who played that game before. Yeah, no, she can't. You can't go because other people will build. So you have to have a strategy that you're able to then adapt. And if someone puts something in a certain place, you then have to be able to go, all right, okay. Because the resources you collect are not specific to what you're trying to do. You have generic resources. You will be able to use them for something. It's the timing of when you use them and what you use them for. You have to make sure that you're setting yourself up somehow to score points with what you're doing. I'm sold. I'll play this. Why not? Sounds good. So it's a game in where you are have to be sort of technically aware about um, spatial awareness. I'm terrible at spatial awareness. It's very, very mean. So with those two together, I'm already on the way out. I would then need the theme to bring me back in. The theme is tedious. I, the theme is pushing me further out the door. I am not interested in this game at all. It looks boring. It sounds awful. It sounds exactly the opposite of what I like in a game. So I actually, I actively do not want to ever play this game. Oh, now I've been sold now. I never want to play it either. <laughs> I, I am 80% convinced that this is one of those games which is out of your wheelhouse, Sean, where the description you wouldn't like and then the play of it, because it's so focused on clever use of your economy and resource that I think you would enjoy it, actually. But there you go. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. <laughs> oh, boy, is that true? <laughs> More often. Yeah, so far, you've been wrong nine <laughs> times this episode. Well, I have, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and so, yeah, it just didn't appeal to me. I looked at the Kickstarter, and I heard all the buzz about it, and I wanted to. I had that sort of the FOMO, and even that didn't get me sort of clicking the button on this. So it just didn't appeal to me at all. And if ever there was an easy mark... <laughs> okay let's move on to our choices for the very best of the best games released in 2019 sean your number one game of the year you're the best so my number one game of 2019 is yukon airways from alda duck and ludanova Let's start. I love the look of this game. I think it's a beautiful looking game. And I'll also say this featured as Matthew's number two pick, 
Yep. So we start at the departure gates, the mechanism in the departure gates where you're drafting dice. Very interesting. Your choices already. Then you've got the delivering aspect of it. You're, again, you're trying to beat other people to the punch. You're making sure that you're delivering the right color dice to the right areas. You've got to worry about your fuel. You've got to worry about where you've been, where you're going to. Very, very lots of to think about. I then go on to the theming of the game. As we've talked about many times, this was a labor of love. The guy's grandfather or father worked as part of the Yukon Airways, and he poured his heart and soul into that. And it tells, I think it combines a mind workout with a fun and engaging game. And I really, really have enjoyed every play of Yukon Airways. Slight concern about whether... Sort of 10 plays down the road, it will become very samey and it doesn't change enough. But so far, so good with Yukon Airways. It's blooming brilliant. I absolutely love it. It just looks so nice. It's everything I wanted from that kind of game. I like the dice drafting. I like how you can, you're just trying to break the rules of the game, the entire game. And I just buy all these bonuses that you go and you can't go for everything. And it's fantastic. My number one game of 2018 was. Castell, and this feels like a spiritual successor to that game in many ways because it's got the same type, it's got the same feeling puzzle, even though it's a very different puzzle. And I, it's very much a puzzle that you're trying to solve. And I, oh man, it's absolutely fantastic. And I just think it's, I really would highly recommend people give this one a go. I just, I just really, I can't really quite place my thoughts about why I love this game so much, but. I do absolutely love it. It's just so good. It's a fine game, yes. For me, top 20, I didn't love it as much as you guys, and I think Nat did. It's a lovely puzzle. I felt like it would go down the same path again and again, and that was it. That's the only thing that takes it away where I wasn't really vying too much with the other players. I was kind of just doing my own thing, upgrading my own thing and moving on. So a lot, but a very fine game. I don't want to diss it. Not quite top 10 I do. I think the player interaction in this game is is actually really high because when you because you're going to get bonuses by grabbing the same passengers of the same color, and everyone has the option to go and get those passengers, and I just or drop off people at those cities, right? I just think the player interaction of it is massive, and I really really enjoyed that battle and looking at what other people are doing and how because there's so many different options and combos of rules that you can break and powers and bonuses that you can get. That I do think it has more longevity. But I do see that, you know, play it 20 times and maybe you've done all the different strategies, but there's not many games I've played that many times, if I'm perfectly honest, you know? I think sometimes the player interaction kind of goes unnoticed in that you're watching what the other players are doing and you're trying to I mean, just the dice out. draft. Just the dice draft is massive player interaction. Yeah. But you're trying to work out what colour are they going to go for, right? They've got this amount of fuel coming their way. What, what island or what part of the Yukon can they actually reach? So, therefore, are they going to be looking for those pink dice to go and pick up some pink passengers? Or are they going to go for the green ones? And then you're kind of working that out. And if you work it out successfully, you don't have that interaction physically because they've taken the pink. You want Okay, I've already worked out I want the green and I'm going somewhere different to you. So it looks like you haven't really interacted, but kind of away from the board you have. Like in a massive mind game. Are you going to draft to stop someone else ahead of what's taking what's best for you? <laughs> Because that, that is player interaction where there's actually a decision to make. What you're talking about is, I want to go first in turn order because I want the pinks before he does. Well, no, because, I mean, I played the whole game. Actually, no, I did play a whole game with Sean specifically where I just spent the entire game going first. 
And that didn't help me as much because you have to, so much effort and resources you have to put in. There's so much negativity of just keep on I think, going I first. think you're proving my point a little bit there. No, I'm not. I, <laughs> All I'm saying is when it gets to my turn to draft, I don't care what you want. I'm setting myself up to get same sets of dice to go where's left. Like I look and say, Sean's ahead of me. He's going that way. Right, I'll go this way and take these greens. It's not. We're not interacting. You're choosing a plan. I'm choosing a different plan. I think with, when uh, after repeated plays, I think the clever play comes in. Right, Ronan wants to get to one of the really far islands and score big points. Right, to do that and to score the maximum amount of points, he's going to need two blue dice or a blue dice. So therefore, if I take the blue dice, I, yes, I might lose out on a point, but he's going to lose out on four or five. So. Therefore, I'll take those blue dice, make it harder for him to get to them. He'll have to spend a load of money or a load of resources to now get try and get blue dice if they're available at all to him. So I think that's when it, it does become interactive. So, so that goes back to my first question was, would you ever draft to stop someone else ahead of yeah. your own plan? Yes, occasionally. Nutter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a temptation, right? There's a massive temptation to go to the furthest out places because you get massive, massive rewards for doing so. For doing the biggest moves, there's massive point rewards for doing that. And I think that temptation is too much to just settle for second best all the time. So you, it does kind of ease you and force you into that kind of interaction as well. And towards the end of the game, your options become limited, so you are going to be competing directly. At the end, if, if you aren't competing for those big moves you're going to lose anyway so you might as well try and that means you're going to are going to interact more than you might think you were going to going into the game i feel like that point made sense and i feel like it was good <laughs> stand by it matthew you stand by that bad boy I i'm going to move on to my number one to and the thing is <laughs> go on bloody renegade <laughs> my number one is the game i was singing the praises of a couple of episodes ago so it may not be any surprise it's king's dilemma the game in which you're playing over several scenarios. It's a legacy type game in which you are uh, the, a family, a noble family in a medievalish setting in a fantasy world. And basically, story things happen. And between the lot of you, you vote and you spend your resources in order to get the votes to go the way that you want for your family, according to your short term and long term agendas. And these stories then develop and go into the story deck and they're going to come out over the course of the game. A new branch of stories will happen and you'll cut off certain branches. And the kingdom itself will prosper in different ways it might have a strong military and a, and a weak economy or whatever it might be around and you're interacting with neighbors and you're setting up quests and you're bringing personalities into play and there's this ongoing developing story in which you are have got shifting alliances because for one story thread myself and Matthew might want something to happen or we might want to import certain goods but Sean doesn't want that to happen because he produces them at home whereas in another story Sean and I might like us to have a fight with one of our neighbors because it benefits us and we're on the borderlands whereas Matthew doesn't want that to happen because it's going to cost the country money and he's down in the south and therefore he's not interested and from all those shift alliances from every single story that happens you're deciding how important it is to each other players and you can get heavy into voting and spank a load of power because it's very important to you or you can sit back and you decide to choose when you want to go and stay and it's just a fabulous shared experience with enough of a framework of a game to make it interesting and to have you engaged, but with this ongoing developing long-term story, which really hooked me in. So King's Dilemma is my favourite game of 2019. It's not on my list because I've not played it, but I'm desperate to play it. It's, it's at the top of my list of games I want to play, for sure. It just looks really fun. I've heard nothing but good stuff about it. And even though you like it, I do think it might probably is a good game, so... I mean, I'm very excited about it. I am all over this one. I really want to play it. I haven't played it, obviously. Otherwise, I think it would be a right up there. 
possibly as my number one because I like the sound of it and I've, I've enjoyed every report that's come back about this game. I own it. I'm hoping when when this lockdown finishes that Matthew's going to come round. Maybe we can persuade Ronan to come up for a weekend and we just crack into a few games of this back to back. If we, so be, I know it's not going to be the best with three players, but if we need to, just myself and Matt and Matthew, uh, Matthew can play it. But at some stage soon, we're going to play this one, Matthew, and I think we're going to have a great time with it. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about it. It's going to be great. I think you should put Rachel and I an overnight bed for it because she loves it as well. So we can make that a weekend, mate. Cool. We'll make that a weekend. We'll have a King's Dilemma weekend. <laughs> I'm really ex- actually so excited about that idea. It seems like such a great idea because it's out of stock everywhere. Why aren't people printing games? You'd think there was world <laughs> events happening. <laughs> we'll take turns slagging up with Matthew as our bed toy. So, my number one I believe it's time for the last game on the list. I will say what's very interesting is that Cartographers has been mentioned, King's Dilemma, and now my number one, which is The Crew, which is not only the best game of 2019, it's my favourite game of all time now. I absolutely think The Crew is just the best game ever, but all three of those games are for the Kenner Spiel. So I've never agreed with the Spiel des Jahres awards so much as I have this year. I really do agree with those awards this year massively. And The Crew is a cooperative trick-taking game where you've got a book of missions, 50 missions that you're going to go through, and each of the missions has a stipulation. Some of them are you have to win tricks in a certain order. Some of them are you have to win tricks. There's two different ways to win tricks in certain orders, which are subtly different but fantastic, and they intermingle so well. It's so tense. It's everything I love about just playing games with my friends when I play games with my friends. It's because it's just such a shared enjoyment of winning. And the, the we've been playing it at five player uh, online and it, the game is harder at five players because there's, the stipulations are just harder because you've got less cards that you are in control of. But you're trying to win tricks in certain ways and I just absolutely think this game is unbelievably good but i'm a massive fan of trick-taking games anyway and i do think that's what puts it so high for me because it's almost every trick-taking game you can think of because the different each different game is almost a different set of rules you kind of got to abide by almost not really because there's like niet and stuff like that but uh, the crew is just absolutely fantastic and there's going to be there's nine new missions coming out for it because it got nominated for the Kenner Spiel. There's going to be, I have to assume they'll release a whole expansion for it as well. It's super cheap to get, like 15 quid if you're paying like the top dollar for it, but you should be paying just over 10 quid for it. I just think it's so, so good, and I just can't say enough good things about it. I absolutely love the crew. It's my favourite game of all time and definitely the best game of 2019. So I'm, I'm the opposite to you when it comes to uh, trick-taking games, Matthew, but you did bring this one round, and you tried to teach me, and it, it, it kind of fell a little bit flat on that night, but I remember messaging you yeah. later saying, listen, I can't stop thinking about it. So it's the, it's the one and only trick-taking game that I've ever thought, you know what? I'd like to get better at trick-taking games so that I could actually explore that game a bit better. I don't think it would ever make my top 10 of of the year list, but I think it would be a contender. And for a trick-taking game, that's big praise for me indeed. So I really want to get better at trick-taking. I want to learn, learn the whole sort of ethos around them and then play this game with that under my belt so that I'm not such a useless article. 
One thing I will say quickly is that the good thing about the crew is that if you get good at that game, you will then be automatically good at every other trick-taking game you ever play. Because it's basically, it's an advanced trick manipulation game. So you are learning how to get good at all trick-taking games just by playing it. So I do think it's got that going for it as well. So we discussed this, Sean, about the plan and I was going to start playing it with the kids and they've never yep. played a trick-taking game before. It's my number four for the year, and we chose this about three weeks ago. And I played my first game on the 19th of April, and I've played it 33 times since then. I think that probably tells the whole story, right? It's incredible. <laughs> it's so good. The girls literally didn't understand how to win a trick with a colour in our first hand of it. We've now into whatever, in the teens of the missions, where, for example, Matthew, no one can win with a nine, which is the highest number card. And we're having to think our way around that. And how do we do that? And how can we use rockets? And, oh, okay, so they're understanding. If someone runs out of greens, because you play lead with a green and they play not a green, okay, that's a way to get rid of cards and things like that. So you can literally see them learning how to play a trick taker as we play. And I'm learning because I was terrible at trick takers. And it's been a fantastic experience. They might be slightly played out after that many games in such a short space of time. But we're going to continue playing. It's going to come out. We usually have like a weekly barbecue in this lovely weather. It usually comes out after that. After maybe a Sunday dinner, it comes out for a few hands. And we're just absolutely loving it. It probably would have moved up to number three if we chose this now. And, and jumped over uh, Watergate. Uh, just a fantastic game, and it deserves all the praise it's getting. That's our top tens. Now, I think with the sliding of Matthew's Yukon and the, the lifting of your the crew, I think, realistically, we've got two winning games, which is Yukon Airways and The Crew are the two games uh, I think we could recommend. I will say this. I think, eventually the ultimate winner of this list might end up being the King's Dilemma. But we've got no way of saying that now. Well, we have, because I chose it. So we can just say Ronan chose it, so that should be there. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of the uh, also-rans, uh, the, the honourable mentions are QE, Isle of Cats and Hadara, yeah. all featured on, on multiple lists. So uh, but I think definitely the crew and Yukon Airways are, are the two winners. One more in there, because Matthew forgot to put it in, and when we mentioned it, he said he should have. Sierra West? I was just going to say, Sierra West probably could have made yeah, it on there yeah, as well. Yeah. So that would be our six or seven joint recommendations, and that would be a that's a pretty solid collection of games. Right I there. think if anyone says that 2019 wasn't a great year for games, they're wrong. I just think 2019 was such a good year for games. I think it was a solid year. I think it was a solid oh, year. Was... You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I was going to say rock solid because I'm more poetic than you, but whatever. <laughs> obviously, obviously. So, yeah, thank you. Fantastic. Most of your choices were okay. Matthew? I was going to say the, the one game that I didn't get to talk about because I've not played it, but I think it will probably make the list is Mandala, which is a two-player card game. But, you know, I just wanted to say the word Mandala for everyone because it's a great game. Anyway, go okay. on. You can... I've heard it mentioned. Heard it mentioned. Yeah. Anything else you think, Sean, you would like to have played or anything exciting like that? The, the one that dropped out on my list was Circadians because I'd only played it the one time. I think that might be a really good game. It is a good game. Certainly enjoyed, yeah, yeah, certainly enjoyed my one game of it. But uh, yeah, I need to explore it a little bit more. Okay, lovely. Um, Matthew, anything else to add? No, I think we're done. We're done here. <laughs> <laughs> so so Matthew, do, would you like to tell everybody uh, who you are and where you do it? <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll say one of those things. Uh, well, I will say thank you for having me on for two episodes. It's been a lot of fun, and I expect to be invited back next year. Just saying. So there, and you know, because I feel like I had a certain 
level of respect to this list. So, je, je ne sais quoi. Well, I wasn't going to say je ne sais quoi, but I was going to say Paris Le Cette Lumière, maybe. Uh, I don't know what je ne sais quoi is. <laughs> Bonnet de douche. Bonnet if, de you douche. Have, if you don't know what it is, mate, you ain't got it, let me tell you. <laughs> Easy, Rodney. So, I feel... Uh, that it's been fun. So yeah, I'm Matthew Jude. I do uh, this game's broken, which is a board game panel show. A bunch of idiots given a bunch of idiotic things to do. It's just a stupid board game podcast with almost zero information, but you know it's got a lot of jokes. I do a panel podcast called Death by Monsters, which is about monsters, mysteries, and the unknown. I do that with Paula Deming and Nick. Murphy and it's a lot of fun. They're both board gamery people, but it's got nothing to do with board games. I do some videos on Watch It Played channel and I stream with Gen Con on Twitch. That's all the board game related things I do for now. I've got an important meeting this week. Will it be something new? Who knows? Ooh, best of luck, best of luck. Uh, Sean, can I be weird and throw something in here quick? Go for it. I've bothered to look up the top 10 2019 games race ranked on BGG. Ooh, let's let's Don't, talk about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, Yukon's going to be nowhere near that. No, <laughs> no, no mate. Wingspan, okay, number ready? one. <laughs> uh, number ten. Let's start with number ten. Spoilers. Uh, the crew. That's fair. Overall, I think that's fair for everyone. Yeah, should be higher. Number nine, Tainted Grail, which we are going to review in two episodes' time. Suckers. Mm-hmm. Although my friends bought it, so I probably will be playing a campaign of this <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Uh, number eight, fantastic choice, Barrage. Ooh. I just uh, if it's if it's too mean, I don't think I'll like it. But I do want to play it. You play it with me, you don't like me, so you won't worry about being me. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. If I'm well, playing it's even it, more frustrating when you're mean. If I'm <laughs> playing at your house, I will be so happy to be mean because. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I hate you too. Okay, number seven is Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated. I was just about to start playing this. We've uh, Puria owns it, and he set up uh, a game with myself and Rachel. I, don't, I think someone else. We were all set up, and freaking lockdown happened. And he had a baby and got a puppy. The idiot. <laughs> One thing I've heard about this is that it's a good game, but the narrative part of it takes too long. You have to read. There's a lot of like joint reading and stuff. But I mean. Clank's not for me anyway, but I do know some people who absolutely thought this was fantastic. But I do know some people who thought they love Clank and they like the game, but even for them, the narrative side of this game was just too relentless almost. It has got by far the best average rating, but with just fewer voters. Yeah. It's that and then Tainted Grail. So Number six. I'm a little bit surprised it didn't get mentioned anyway. Res Arcana. Yeah. It's a funny one, Res Arcana, because it's a very clever game and it's definitely a good game. But it doesn't stick in the mind. I was just going to say the same thing. I played it and it just didn't have any impact on me at all. But I didn't dislike the game. I just didn't. It was just, oh, this is fine, right? I liked it quite a lot because it was clever. And then you realise that actually only playing three or four cards is often your best thing. And that to play very, very narrow is how you're going to score points and make it a race. And that made it slightly less interesting for me. But there you go. Yeah. Okay, number five, another great choice. Maracaibo. Gamers, the gamers love it. The gamers, they love it, don't they? The gamers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, number four, controversial. Sean, over to you, Paladins of the West Kingdom. Ooh, almost a good game. Rubbish scoring. Emperor's New Clothes. Okay, good. <laughs> I like number th- it. <laughs> number three is the game that I said last year I was guaranteed that would be my number one game. I and it well, there's reasons, but Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth. Now, I Ooh. haven't had a proper run at it, but the first two scenarios are just really long tutorials. 
And not only that, they're a bit tight. And they've got that descent thing, Sean, of really rushing you. Like you get to yeah, the end and suddenly yeah. things just start flying out. So you've got this world and it feels very Tolkien-esque to be able to explore and maybe have puzzles and think about things. It's not. It's actually, you've got to get this done quickly or the game's going to start punching you. The thing I've heard about this is that the people who love Lord of the Rings love it, but it's not for people who don't like Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? It's got, you've got to really be invested in the theme. I heard the opposite, genuinely. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, because it doesn't feel Lord of the Ringsy. It just feels like a generic dungeon crawl. It hasn't got that whatever... Yeah, whatever makes Lord of the Rings is a long old book, right? It takes its time. It's long-winded. It's got a lot of descriptions, and this feels like a race which doesn't necessarily fit. Oh, in. that's true. That's interesting. Okay, I don't know. I'm going to play it more. We are going to talk about it more, but I've only played it a couple of times. Number two, oh Matthew, number two. Now this was in my top ten, and out my top ten, and it's Marvel Champions. I was, I suspected this would be. No, I thought this might be number, yeah, number two, because if Wingspan wasn't around, it'd be number one. I, yeah, I can. It's just. The thing with Marvel Champions, if it was, like I said before, if it was any other theme, no one would care about it. But again, very accessible. I think that makes it, uh, again, it's something that people can just pick up and just get dive straight into. <sighs> See, the problem is Arkham Horror exists. And Arkham Horror does this so, so, so much better with campaign play and uh, and experience and different paths and the stuff you've done having consequences later on and the fact that you mould your deck to how you're playing and what your role is within a bigger party and stuff like that. There's just so much more in Arkhamora and I don't think the overheads and to play is that much more but there's so much more depth and richness to it. I like Marvel Champions but it can get bogged down. So I'm kind of up and down it. I'm still buying every single pack because I'm an idiot. And uh, we know what number one is. It's Wingspan, and we've talked about it. It's a good game. Go. I'm surprised that the other big Marvel game, Marvel Crisis Protocol, didn't make the list. I would have thought that would as well. But Yeah, that's kind of impossible to put together, isn't it? <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> very, that. very expensive. Nobody's been able to put it together, so everyone bought the, bought the box and went, ah. Oh. I did a review of this game, and they were the first minis I'd ever put together in my entire life. No and way. I have to say it was one of the worst experiences in board games I've ever had. Putting those minis together was an absolute <laughs> chore and a challenge. But... And but the game, but the game, I feel like it's 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 almost a sidestep away from board games in general. It's a it's a minis war game, isn't it? And I feel like it's kind of like just outside of the board game geek kind of hobby, almost. If that makes sense. I'm looking through, mate. It's not in the top eighty games of the year. I mean, was it even released last year? Who could say? I don't know much. If it wasn't, I'm going to beat you up for making me scroll through this on my phone. <laughs> Sean, Phil, while I look up and see whether I get to thrash Matthew. <laughs> Well, I was I was just going to round up, but roll Roland's off uh, searching for whatever crisis protocol. Um, I suppose I just want everyone to drop us a line and tell us if there's any games that we've missed that you uh, think should be on the list and why you think they should be on the list, and we'll give them a mention in the next episode. So, yeah, please do that. We're at thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com or pop along to the board game Geek Guild. And overall... Whose list was the best list? That's something that's important to know, I feel. Go on. <laughs> well, thank you for handing me the laurels for that, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, It has a ranking, but it doesn't have a rating because there's so few voters. <laughs> wow, okay. It's only 195 rating. I mean, it's a minis game. It's on... It's, it's, you're right. It's, there should be like a, a mini game geek.com for all this because, um, well, we said it in our match, didn't we? There's hardly any ratings for a match on board game geek. It's just a different section of the hub. Okay. Well, shall we let these good people go and let Matthew go and 
edit 17 hours of podcasts. Oh, God, I've got such a long night. It's midnight. Oh, God. <laughs> Go to bed. Tomorrow's another day. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. Thank you, Ronan, and thank you, Matthew. And as always, we are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there and to the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore. If you wish to email us, as I've just said, we are thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. We can also be contacted on our Board Game Geek Guild. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Podbean. And we're also on social media. We're an Instagram account. We have a Facebook page. And, of course, we are on Twitter at Game Pit Podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Music by E. Aaron. It's the Greeks! Father Ted reference. <laughs> 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 <laughs>